Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey there, it's Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle to get started on a project that's supposed to be simple? Or maybe your mind goes off on all these different options, what-ifs and what-abouts, or the necessary must-haves to a topic or project that you need to get started on. Or maybe you just sit there and get overwhelmed by all of the things that you have to get done on your plate. Well, I want you to join me on the flip, because if that's you, we're going to be talking about how to do simple things with a complex mind. In today's world, it is not your fault that your mind is so full of so many things, but we're going to have a quick little conversation uh, with a few applications to hopefully help you get that untangled so that you can actually either get started, keep going, or even get finished on what it is you're doing. So I'll see you on the flip. All right, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's go on and get started. As the um, intro said, we're going to be talking about doing simple things with a complex mind. But I don't want it to just be about a quote-unquote complex mind because there are many different ways that we can get turned around, stymied, stumped, in a rut, procrastinating, uh, overwhelmed. And so I kind of tried to think of some of the different states of mind that we might be in. So today we'll be taking a little look at doing simple things if you've got a crowded mind, creative mind, a complex mind, a confused mind, or a complicated mind. Now they might all sound the same and yeah, they're just different blushes of the the same color, but uh, they have little nuances that will help us in understanding what we may be dealing with, okay? So if you've got a creative mind, uh, that's going to be where you have this constant state of searching for more. It's always where you're pushing the limits to create and to do uh, something that may not have already been done or put a different spin or a different take on something. Now, if you are a listener of this podcast, the other day I did a podcast where I talked about how being too smart might be a hindrance uh, in decision-making and and taking action. And so the creative mind is that mind that actually has that problem uh, more so than most because there's so many different options um, available sort of like the complex mind. I think the creative mind is a complex mind by default, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to talk about 
real quickly, the crowded mind. Or not talk about it, but just qualify what I mean by the crowded mind. Now, the crowded mind is the one that is in a constant state of overwhelm. Just, just too much stuff to deal with so that you get overwhelmed and the mind does what it does. It tries to keep you alive and keep you quite healthy. And so you get forgetful. Um, you maybe even get to where you can't do anything because the overwhelm is so great. But then there is the confused mind. Now, the confused mind is that mind that's in a constant state of chaos and disorder. And a lot of times the confused mind is due to illness, trauma, um, um, uh, and a lot of different things that would cause one to um, possibly need therapy. So traumas, PTSDs, uh, things that have happened to cause that mind to be like that. But there are some less extreme confused minds, and that's the ones we're going to be dealing with today. So the confused mind is the one where the constant state of chaos and disorder is because of atrophied thinking or not being able to, to think well. And when I say atrophied thinking, meaning that if you don't use it, you lose it. And a lot of times folks don't realize that there are going to be certain situations that are going to call for a finessed way of understanding your world and processing uh, what is uh, available to you to make good decisions. And so the confused mind will fall under that. Then we have the complicated mind. So the complicated mind is the mind that's in a constant state of competing with uh, a state of competing thoughts and cognitive dissidence, meaning that you're trying to hold two opposing views that are in conflict with each other. And so it's it's complicated. It's kind of like the um, the company that supports uh, youth health and uh, uh they contribute to a lot of uh, youth programs for healthiness, but then they're also the company that makes the little uh, vapors, vapes that the same kids that they're trying to help uh, consume and buy. And so that would be a complicated mind, like a complicated situation, but it's in your mind and, and you're having to hold these different thoughts and make your way. And then there is the complex mind. And so that's why I went on and said how to deal with simple things with a complex mind. So the complex mind is when you're in a constant state of considering too many factors, meaning unlike the crowded and uh, the and confused mind where it's disorder or you're constantly searching for more, the complex mind is very aware of the resources and the ways and all of the things that they can do with these things. And with that, when you have too many factors, too many opportunities, it makes it where you get stymied and you can't really trigger and, and stimulate and fire and do the things that you need to do. So now that I've talked about the different nuances of the, the mind uh, that we're going to be dealing with today. Let's get into some of the things that will help us. So say, for instance, you want to just do a simple task and you find that it is very hard 
to get anything done or if you manage to get it done it's hard, I mean get started it's hard to keep going or it's hard to finish it is um, very evident to any writer or author that I that that um, does what I do for a living you know writing that we are faced with this all the time writing a story is a simple task because it has a beginning a middle and an end and if you've been doing this for any time and get paid for it you understand the parts of a story now knowing all of these things and knowing that a story is a straightforward form of entertainment uh, education learning whatever you want to say it is still a hard thing for a complex mind to consider and so over the years i have gathered little tips and tricks and things here and there to help me overcome where my mind wants to go and be so complex because it's being called to uh to and required to be so creative so let me talk a little bit about these now the other day um when i did the last episode i talked about a few of them and um in the application part of how to evaluate if you're doing the most with your thinking and i'm going to review those again real quick and then add on a few today so i hope that's okay with you if we get you know down to the nitty-gritty So the first thing I want to say is, is if you want to do something and you're finding that you're being thrown into procrastination or perfectionism, or you can't even get started, you, I mean, it's too overwhelming. Remember, we've got the different types of minds. There are some applications that we can use, and those are going to be, I'll start off with the first one. And uh, it is from the four S's. And it's from the book that I did put in the show notes for um, the previous episode. And it's from a book called The Practicing Mind. And it's Thomas M. Sterner. And in there, he gives these four S's as a way of tackling complex things. But what I found is that it does really well to help rewire the pathway that we think when we are starting to approach a project. I find it as a great way to either get started, keep going, or finish a project, especially when my mind is doing the most and making it bigger than uh, than it needs to be or more convoluted than it needs to be. And so the four S's are simple, small, short, and slow. And I'm going to run through those really quickly because there are a few others that I want to make sure that we get to today. And so simple. How can you simplify the A to Z? What are the necessary components that you need to either do the the thing in the most simplest way or to uh figure out what is really being asked and i use the term subtext so the subtext is what's the meaning underneath the meaning or to evaluate whether you're dealing with a symptom of something or if you're dealing with the root cause so simplified now simplify the actual steps that are necessary that without them this can't be done simplify if you're really dealing with the real issue you know what is the subtext underneath it what's really being said and also look and see if you're dealing with a symptom rather than a root issue 
So that helps you with the simplification. The next thing is small. Keep it small. I find that for me, I tend to make things too big. And so I have to remind myself, and it's very painful. I wish I could tell you it wasn't going, it was going to be easy. But I find that I have to establish boundaries for myself of what I'm going to do. And a lot, like right now with me working with this product and going through it, it was very helpful because there is a a great way to be useful instead of being helpful. And being helpful is giving someone everything but the kitchen sink. But being useful is answering the specific question or problem that they, they need help with. And so with keeping things small, that's what you're doing. There is um, a great uh, saying that you may already be familiar with, but for uh, entrepreneurs and people who work for themselves, what we do is we get really good at, or we're supposed to, we get really good at finding one problem and presenting one simple solution that works for that problem. So when I talk about the small in this four S in these four S's, that's what we're talking about. One problem, one solution. Do one thing at a time and complete it. And so when you think about small, think about it is the antithesis of multitasking. It is to be able to stick to one thing at a time, do it well, complete it, and then move on. So the next part of the four S's, so we've already talked about simple and small. The next one is short. And when we talk about short, Brevity is the key (laughs) to genius. Being able to shorten any kind of process means that you have a keen understanding and discernment. And I'll talk a little bit about the wisdom path um, again. But you have a keen discernment to be able to extrapolate out all of the fluff. And that takes a lot of practice. And um. I'm not going to say it takes a lot of time for you, but it takes it takes a lot, takes a lot of time for me because I'm still learning to develop that muscle that I can call on command. But to be able to keep something short means that it takes a lot of time. There's this famous saying, and I'm getting ready to butcher it because this is off the cuff. But uh, it was maybe it was from Descartes, Rene Descartes, who wrote a letter to someone, and it is said that in the letter. Um, he said, I would have written you a note, a short note, but I uh, didn't have enough time. And so when you have something short, it's very concise, succinct, and impactful and potent. And so when you're looking at doing this simple thing with all the stuff you got going on in your mind, one of the things that you'll find is that you'll, you'll spend a lot of energy on trying to keep it short. And the reason why you want to spend this energy is because inevitably keeping something short and to the point is going to prove to be both efficient and effective. When we don't take the time to make it as short as possible, we tend to dilute what we're doing. And so the impact that we wanted to have on the simple thing that we wanted to accomplish, it is done away with. So then slow. Now I like slow. And the reason why I like slow is because slow returns us to the time of the masters. 
Um, in that book, pra The Practicing Mind by Thomas M. Sterner, he gives an example. Um, he's a musician and a, a repairer of fine instruments. And he gives an example of this idea of slow. And that was, he had a, a colleague that sold Yamaha pianos and he went over to the factory. And when he got to a certain area that was very critical to the, uh, what made the Yamaha piano so great, he expected to see an assembly line and a lot of people only to find that there was one person and he was not in a rush. And the guy asked him, well, what is your supervisor going to say? What's your quota? And it did not compute to this Japanese uh, man. And he was like, why would I need a supervisor to tell me how to do my job? Because he, you know, of course, asked him, why do I need a supervisor? And of course, he said to, help, to tell you how to do your job. And he's like, well, uh, why would I have this job if I don't know how to do it? And what he ended up learning from that exchange was that this man did not let this piece that he would work on, he would not release it until it was done to his expert specifications, no matter how long it took. And so borrowing from that, we have been socially conditioned to value speed over quality. And in these four S's, when you're finding that your mind is just out of control, it is thinking a thousand miles an hour, there is a quality issue because you're focused on quantity and it may not be your fault because everywhere you look, that is being reinforced. We have words like hustle and grind and all of these different things to denote movement and aggressive accomplishment of things when going back and being slow is going to win the race. That brings me to talking about are you the tortoise or are you the hare? And do you think you're the tortoise when you're actually the hare? When you're using these four S's of simple, small, short, and slow, it requires that you employ wisdom. And the reason why you wanna employ wisdom is because wisdom will take you out of the race to just achieve. I heard a saying uh, from a gentleman who uh, has a nonprofit for boys. His name is Jason Wilson. And he said something very powerful in a recent podcast with Joe Rogan. And he said, the objective of what we do is not so that these young men can learn how to win, overpower, or go or, or, or be the fastest. He was like, the objective is for them to learn and gain wisdom about what they're learning. And I was like, yes, this is, this is the way. Um, it is getting to the point now that those who reinforce the ability, because it takes a skill, it takes a self-discipline to slow down in a fast world. But for those people who are able to do that, they tend to outproduce other people. They tend to reap the rewards that all the people rushing are trying to do. Case in point, I am in an industry where for the indie publisher, it is based on how fast you can write, how fast you can churn out the books. But of course, there is a payment for that. And the payment is a cost, not a payment, 
there's a cost for that. And the cost is you have to churn out books that are not necessarily your highest quality because that takes time. And which ends up meaning that you end up producing disposable books, kind of like fast food, as opposed to a, it doesn't have to be fine dining, but a good meal that is going to keep the customer full for a while and they're not going to be hungry right after. And so it puts you on this treadmill. Let me let me own that. It puts us on this treadmill of constantly having to churn out these books. And I got off the treadmill and I didn't have this framework of the four S's at the time. But I learned that when I got off the treadmill and I behaved more like the Japanese Yamaha maker and said, the book takes as long as the book takes. I started, I believe, writing better because of how the market receives my books. And now instead of my books that I used to write years ago being um, disposable, I have a staying power, a perenniality to my books where they're just as entertaining now as they were when I wrote them. And I don't have to worry about an erosion of my back uh, catalog. And it is because of this slowing down. So let's talk a little bit about the wisdom path. Um, If you listen to the other day's podcast, uh, I talked a little bit about this, but the wisdom path, it, it denotes that wise people are deliberate and thoughtful. And when you're deliberate and thoughtful, that, that means that you can't, can't be moving fast. You know, it says that wise people rely on contemplation and they ask wise questions. And there is this famous saying by now I'm going to slow this down and see if I can say it right. <laughs> it's by Sri Nisragadatta Maharaj. Sri Nisragadatta Maharaj. I know I'm probably messed up that middle one, but I tried. And the the saying is is beautiful. And this is the saying. It says, "Wisdom tells me I am nothing. Love tells me I am everything." And between the two, my life flows. And I wanted to read that because there is a wisdom path that leads us to find that happy medium between the nothingness and the everything such that we have a desire to search and we have a desire, not a desire, we have a a fulfillment of everything that we want. And so when we have that wisdom path, it causes us to use keen judgment so that we can decipher what is for us and what is not. And when you use keen judgment, you're you're developing the muscle, excuse me, keen discernment. You're developing the muscle of good judgment. And when you develop the muscle of good judgment, you tend to recognize and uphold high value priorities. So a high value priority is not necessarily what society says it is as much as it is what is needful in your own life. And so if you have a high priority value that a high value priority that says for you, there are three things that you must uh, work on. And those are your health, your ability to communicate and your 
um, literacy of uh, how you do what you do. That high value of what you do is going to not force you, but it's going to demand that you push away a lot of the other stuff that would be considered low value for you. But the good thing about living this life of discernment and judgment, good judgment, so that you can suss out what is going to be the high value for you is that you start to live a life where it's it's magical and it helps you to do the simple things, even though you have a very complex mind. So now in my, my last few moments, I want to talk a little bit about some of the um, things that you need to, not need to, but I would ask you to consider when you're trying to do these simple things. And that is, and these are more in line with wisdom, of course, um, remembering to be grounded and practical to employ logic and reason with, you know, a dash of common sense, because that's really what wisdom is. And understand that we run our lives as a result of social conditioning and media programming, whether we like it or not. And the reason why I can say that with much conviction is because to be counter to that is to be ostracized or a hermit. And there are many reasons why it's advantageous for us to be able to get along in, in society. So there's a certain amount of conditioning and programming that we operate in. Now, here comes the rub. Being able to pull back and understand when we're doing too much that causes us to have these overwhelms, complications, cognitive dissidences, and all of the other things. And so what I'm going to say is this, is that when you're doing an evaluation, evaluation and that's the best way i can name it of how to do simple things get them done look and see have you fallen prey to assertive planning i mean to excuse me aggressive plotting instead of assertive planning have you fallen a prey prey to aggressive bullying your way through to get projects or accomplishments done instead of assertive building? And have you fallen on the side of being identified by what you do instead of by who you are? I ask these questions. And the reason why I ask these questions is because it makes us blind to those shadow areas, the boogie men in our closets that are driving us to do what we do and causing us to just get more and more complicated in our thought processes and the like. And we have to be aware of that because if we don't, then we will experience more of the traumas, more of the complications that would cause us to have confused minds and so i know this is kind of deep let me see if i can lift it up a little bit and so um i want to leave you with this and this is by and i've talked about the, him in other podcasts uh dr anders erickson and uh he has a book called peak and I love this book because this book had, was one of the books that really helped me to 
get you know get a hold of myself and in it is what is called deliberate practice and deliberate practice has a framework and i talked about it yesterday um this is the simplified ver version of what dr anders puts in his book but it's called the doc do observe and correct and so when you're trying to just do your simple little thing do it observe what you're doing make note of where you missed the ball and then go back and correct and that is an equation of a deliberate practice and the reason why it's a deliberate practice that helps you to start doing more wise simple um, small short slow things is because of the feedback and the processing that goes through the mind I don't have time to cover um, what happens when a complicated or a complex mind endures a, a, a task emotionally. But what I will say is that new research, because you know, you guys, I love my research. New re research is showing that instead of managing or controlling emotions, we rather in our process, in the mental processing, we react to emotions. And so being able to be that self-aware to react to our emotions in a way that helps us to fire and, and actually do is part of the process of deliberate practice because deliberate practice allows you that part of observing what you do with a gentle critique to correct what you've done. So practically, how does that look? Say for instance, you are going to put together a mastermind plan for your finances and you want, you know your timeline. Say for instance, you're giving yourself five years to hit a financial goal. So what ends up happening is, is you do all the things that you like, you know, you do your planning, maybe get your journal and all of that. But when it comes time to implement and execute on that plan, that's where all, you know what, lets loose and you start spinning in circles and not being able to do anything. So instead of doing that, go back and most people are very familiar with what I'm about to say, but determine the short term goal, something that is uh, quantifiable, you know, countable um, and can be done in a specific amount of time. Go back. That's part of that simplification of the four S's. Then you want to make it small, short and do it slowly and get the win. And while you're doing that, be cognizant of your emotions and how you're reacting to them because new things usually cause us to react by fear or anger and they can express themselves in myriad ways so instead of trying to power through notice how you react to those emotions and do the correction on your reaction to the emotions and they will help you in your deliberate practice to actually Yes, do the simple thing in the simple way to get it done. So guess what, y'all? Yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Mwah!
Thank you so much. Don't forget to check out the show notes, like, subscribe, comment, and I will see you soon because I am so ready for all of us to get a fresh kiss, a wisdom smack kiss. So I'll see you on the flip. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.